and welcome to Proceed Podcast, episode number 11. I am your host, Andrei Digler. The podcast, as you can hear now, is back after a couple of months of being inactive, and it has changed too. First of all, it is not bundled to the newsletter anymore, which means it will go out on different weekdays, not on Mondays as it used to. Second, I have decided to experiment with the format a bit, so the podcast will now become a bit longer, and I will also try to get more people to uh, talk to. Today, uh, I am joined by two great guests. First is uh, Karoli Hendricks, entrepreneur from Estonia and the founder and CEO of Jibatical.com. Hey, Karoli. Hello, Andre. And second, I have Alex Barrera, a co-founder and contributing editor of TechEU, chief wellness officer at Press42.com, co-founder of Tetuan Valley, global shaper at World Economic Forum, and sandbox ambassador in Madrid. Whew. Hi, Alex. Hello, Andre. Nice joining you guys. Hello, Caroli. Hello. Today we are going to talk about uh, what's going on in the Baltics in terms of startups, uh, the startup ecosystem, uh, venture funding, and the tech scene in general. And there seems to be a lot of things going on, and Alex recently went f- to a conference to that region and uh, has seen a lot of things by his own eyes. Alex, tell us more about it. Yeah, so I was recently uh, in Riga for uh, Tech Chill Baltics, and uh, it was it was really interesting to reconnect with the uh, with the Baltic scene. It's one of the areas in Europe that I really like. And I was invited there at the very beginning when you know the people in Riga were starting to do stuff. When when the the first organizations were doing stuff in in Tallinn in Estonia, and it's so incredible to see how much has changed in like three four years. It's like amazing. And I think Tech Chill this year was probably one of the best examples on how fast the ecosystem is growing in the area. Uh, Karoli, are you actually in Estonia now? I'm now back in Estonia, yeah. I'm not anymore in Kuala Lumpur. A week ago, I would have been in uh, Kuala Lumpur. Yeah, you seem to be doing lots of traveling these days, right? Yeah, well, uh, Vertical is uh, kind of all about travel and uh, different countries of the world, so I have to lead it, and that leads me to interesting uh, cities of the world. Right, and recently Jabatical raised uh, $2 million in funding. So uh, is your traveling connected in any way with this uh, fundraising process? Fundraising? I mean, no, as the fundraising is uh, is over, then uh, the traveling is more uh, connected to building the product and building the company. But of course, we are really, really happy that uh, we got on board Union Square Ventures. And to be honest, as I call them, our... Um, Kind of soulmate investor and and Saul Klein, who 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 I, I believe will help Jabatical to kind of reach uh, new borders and and uh, we got some brains on board, so to say. <laughs> and what should we be expecting in the near future from Jabatical? Yeah, I mean we are uh, a young startup in that sense. We beta launched a year and some months ago, so we are really in the early stage. But we have discovered so what what we discovered within the first year of Jabatical is that there are people and there are companies, there are people who want to travel abroad and work abroad and there are companies who are lacking skills locally because that's what we do. We connect tech and business talent for one year opportunities, right? So now what we are building is to really make the cross-border hiring easy and seamless so that when you are hiring through Jabatical, that it would be as easy as you hire locally. Uh, so that is what we are focusing right now. 
So today we have an entrepreneur from Estonia with an insider's view on uh, things going on in the Baltics. And also we have Alex who is interested in the region and who has recently been there. So the first question probably goes to you, Karoli. Uh, what do you think? What is the Baltics in terms of geography? Is it rather part of the startup ecosystem of Eastern Europe, of CE, or the Nordics? <laughs> That's an interesting question, Andre. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's, uh, in, in terms of ec ecosystem, I think we are lucky to be in between uh, um, Nordics and the rest of the, uh, Europe, uh, and we take the best influence of all sides. So I think when you go to Tallinn, you definitely feel a lot of influence from Finland and Sweden and uh, the Nordic countries. And, uh, and then you go a little bit more south, you have more influence of rest uh, of Europe. Uh, so I think we are kind of those tiny countries who have established themselves only very recently, right, uh, after the collapse of Soviet Union, and are trying to take the best learnings from surrounding countries. Uh, so I, I think that is kind of the key to success that politics has proved to show, right? Alex, what did you feel about it? Huh. I was just thinking about it. For, for me, it's kind of interesting because uh, I feel such a blend of things happening in the Baltics. Uh, on one side, I do agree with Karoli. There's a lot of influence from Finland. Uh, but I think it goes beyond that. Um, I've never felt the Baltics as, as a place I would consider Eastern European country. Uh, it definitely has a very different feel as the one you get in places like Romania, like Poland, like uh, Croatia, like um, uh, Belarus. It, it just, it's totally different in a way. At the same time, they have some features that are kind of present along the whole Eastern European region, which is, you know, you have very good talent, people that are very good at math, very good at science, very good at engineering. Um, I guess it has to do also with the weather, the fact that, in general, especially the the more you go to the north, the 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 worse it gets with uh, being social. So it's kind of you know interesting to <laughs> you see. Go numbers. You go study yeah, it's numbers. interesting to see the. <laughs> okay, you just called the whole region a place with antisocial people. No, no, okay, no. Right, I, I see. was actually gonna add. Uh, uh, and I, uh, but I, I think uh, Alex, you are kind of correct in that sense that we are we like to kind of uh, in general the people around at least from Estonia are better in individual sports than the group uh, sports. No, I, I would say that for me it's interesting as someone that comes from a region where we're very very extremely social how how this compares to other regions and to be in all honesty I was surprised the first time I was in Estonia for example as to how close I felt to people. I, I wasn't expecting to have such a warm uh, receiving from, from people there. The same thing happened in, in Riga and the same thing happened in Vilnius. I was surprised because for a Southern European, you have this idea that everyone's like the Finns, you know? And, uh, and no, Finland is very different from the Baltics. Very, very different in, in the way people behave, in the way people interact with each other. So I do think it has a very interesting blend. I think it has the best of every place, to be honest. Would you like to go and live there? <laughs> yeah, you are welcome to. But, you know, I would bring in, in another aspect, and I think this is very much um, looking at the size of the country. So if you, if you are from a country which is like one million or two million people, then the only way to really build something uh, uh, business-wise is to be global from day one. And I think that... 
mindset of um, I mean, from the big like I have a television background so building television channels in Baltics was really easy especially Latvia and Estonia because everybody watched television in English so you kind of have this uh, global from day one mindset which makes it so much more adaptive to outside world right you try to learn from the best so I think this correlates also the yeah there's, there's something interesting which is I've only seen two regions in the whole Europe that uh, kind of has the same behavior which is the only place I've seen in Europe that have this feeling that even if you go to your neighboring country you're part of a region and you help each other is the Baltics on one side and the Balkans on the southern part of Europe. And it's it, it, it's interesting because as someone that lives in a country that's big enough, like in my case where I live in Spain, we have 46 million. We don't deal that much with Portugal. We don't deal that much with uh, France. Actually, sometimes there's some kind of antagonism kind of uh, feeling. But when you go to the Baltics, it's like, Oh, yeah. You know, yesterday I was in Riga. Tomorrow I'm going to be in Helsinki. Uh, in three days I'm going to be in Tallinn. And it looks like you're just walking around the place. And I love that feeling. I really love that feeling <laughs> okay. that there's like no borders in that region. Do you feel it as well, Karoli? Yeah, it is totally. I totally agree with it. There was actually statistics, but I may be wrong, but I think it was... Oh, I have to check my facts, but I, I, I think it was that 15% of our nation is, uh, uh, like according to the telecoms, because they see when you're roaming or you're outside the country. So 15% of the country is all every day outside the country, kind of. not. Yeah, that's, uh, that's something very unique, I guess. Yeah, it's, uh, as I tell my friends, you know, there's the city and then there's a lot of trees. Trees, 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 and then more people. And then trees, 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 and another city. Yes, I, I have. Uh, you should go also to Singapore because Singapore is a very interesting place as well, and, uh, and definitely very forward-thinking and very kind of international from its uh, essence. But one of the things that they are lacking is trees. So I have even suggested that they sh we should do an exchange uh, for for sometimes because they don't have trees. So Estonia Singapore is a warm them. version of Estonia without trees. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's like warm Estonia without trees. But you have uh, everything. Uh, Bali is, I think, two-hour flight away. So that's kind of... Alex, uh, in your article, you mentioned this quote uh, by uh, Jesse Mittenen, uh, who said that it's hard to get students to run startups in Finland. Uh, do you think it's the case in the Baltics as well these days? It's a very good question. I was, <laughs> you know... I, I've been I've been surprised with some of those comments because the feeling you have sometimes from the outside is that uh, the Nord the Nordic region and the Baltics are doing a lot of stuff around startups, but then when you start talking with the people that are involved in that, uh, you suddenly realize that it's just like a small pocket of people really doing a lot of noise around around that. Um, I think it's the same kind of everywhere, in that it's. I think, and Caroli could probably comment on this, I think there's a big shift in mentality, especially for people that are on are currently on their 20s, where as to like five to 10 years ago, people were expecting a specific outcome for the future of of their jobs and the job security they were having. Now all that has disappeared. And so the people that are getting into the into the job market 
are realizing that they need to build their own future. I mean, you uh, things go so fast that you cannot just uh, go to a university, study there, and just go with the flow and go and work for a big company. And I remember that one of the one of the jokes we had during the conference was that the best thing that has happened to Finland in the last years was the collapse of Nokia, because <laughs> that has literally removed the big corporation that everyone wanted to work for. And so now I think that slowly you're seeing that more and more people are going like, you know what, fuck it. If I don't have a corporation to work for, I'll design my own future. So I think we're going to see in the future more and more people involved in startups. I also believe it's growing slowly. So I think the appearances from the outside uh, kind of seems that it goes faster than it's really going. What do you think, Carol? Do you see something similar? I see very, I mean, I totally agree with you, Alex. And, uh, uh, and if I may step, uh, take a step further, I, I'm on risk here, but I, I think I will take that step, is that I think one of the best things that happened to the world, especially for, for our kind of looking at um, the mindset of employees, so to say, or people, is uh, was the financial crisis because I think in a way it was like the collapse of Nokia for Finland that suddenly you understand that the comfort zone and the kind of steady line to success is is not real because you know things can happen everywhere so you kind of start to find more meaning in your life and your time and really work on something that you care about and I think this has opened up this is what I believe in that it has opened up uh, a really a door to a very entrepreneurial generation and I think uh, founders and CEOs and companies uh, building their teams can and really where were you when the crisis began I actually oh that year I remember very painfully because I started uh, I, I launched four, uh, three uh, television channels in Estonia on the year when our economy collapsed uh, like we it was 14% GDP fall and I launched three uh, television channels, National Geographic, National, uh, Fox, uh, Fox Life and Fox Crime, so all entertainment, uh, and one is documentary. And they didn't have any ratings, and I, I went to the clients and they looked at me as though as I was out of my mind. But three years later, we were very successful, so it was a very good learning curve coming from a very soft pillow uh, with the previous years, but uh, definitely worthwhile. I'm happy and how about you, Alex? Happened. Do you have anything good to say about the crisis? Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Um, uh, I think I do agree with what Karoli just said. In a sense, you know, this is uh, taking away the blindfold that a lot of people have been wearing for the past decade. Um, and it's really showing the the structural changes that technology is bringing to society now at the same time i'm also and i and i have to say that i've never been afraid before about what technology is achieving for society but until very recently i'm starting to feel afraid of what we're creating of what we're building at the speed and acceleration of what we're doing and so, yes, I do agree that it's been something good to, to, in many degrees. I think uh, processes are more efficient and a lot of things are changing. But at the same time, we're enabling some of those changes that might not be so good for human beings on the long run. 
So, Alex, are you afraid that robots no, will take your job? No, actually, I'm not. Uh, I've always been very vocal about AI. Uh, I was one of the very early people to to focus on AI and to and to talk about it as the future of mankind. Um, I'm more afraid of the uh, kind of the, the 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 gap that we're creating between very wealthy people and very poor people. You know, and that gap is it's enlarging every day. And why do you think it's us creating the gap? Well, it's not us per se. It's technology. It's the growth and acceleration of technology is enabling that. And there's there's right now there's nothing we can do to stop it. That's the thing. Yeah, but Alex, I, I would be much more of a, like I, I'm not so pessimistic. And I think if you look at, I mean, definitely there's a we can go to the fundamentals of education. I think there's a lot. And if, if we are nervous about something, is how how the education will really follow what is happening. But at the same time, if you look at how people can learn today, then education or knowledge has never been as accessible as right now. So basically, you don't have to go to the college to learn about photography, or you can, or or how to make movies, because you can just open YouTube and you can learn how to do it. So. Isn't it also that the technology is enabling knowledge in a much larger extent than it has ever done, which which actually gives access to knowledge to people who 20 years ago could not even Yeah, I absolutely it. side with Caroli on this. I do think that technology is a tool that can uh, shorten the gap uh, and not, uh, not to make it deeper. No, I mean, uh, l- let me rephrase what I said. Don't get me wrong. I'm a pro-technologist all the way. Uh, I'm just saying that until very recently, I didn't see the ripples that, or I didn't want to see the ripples that we're creating while doing that. So every everything we do has two two faces, and one of them is the one that you just showed, and I totally agree 100%. There's amazing stuff that we're achieving with science, with technology, with all the advances we're we're creating. It's incredible, and I'm not I'm not going to discuss that because I agree fully. But at the same time, I think that too many of us are blinded as to the kind of ripples we're creating while doing that. Um, and, and the more we do it, the more technology accelerates, the bigger those ripples are. And they're becoming tsunamis in some places of the world. And so I'm just becoming aware of that recently. But uh, what kind of tsunamis? Just to give an example, what, what is the situation that you think that uh, where it has such a negative Well, uh, for, for starters, one of the things that happens with technology is that uh, technology is destroying a lot of, a lot of uh, jobs. And that's not an issue per se, to be honest. I, I don't, I, I'm a very laissez-faire kind of person. But I do believe that uh, the rate at which technology creates new jobs is way smaller or, or is way slower than the rate of the destruction. Now, if you only take uh, five years and you just look at a five-year projection, then it's fine. It's okay. We can live with it. Now, when you start extrapolating this to a larger time frame and you start extrapolating this to a 20-year, 40-, 50-year time frame, then the picture starts looking way uglier than it looks right now. I don't know. This is just one, one of the examples. Inequality and access to resources is, is another one. And just take the, um, there was a recent post that I think everyone should read that was called The Misfit Economy. 
that talked about what's really happening right now in San Francisco and the Bay Area and the inequalities that are happening in, in a city that used to be very liberal. And you've been there, you know, in I was talking with someone, an investor living in San Francisco, and he said, you know, I'm, I spend $10,000 to pay rent every month and $1,000 to pay for a parking spot. But, you know, Alex, this is exactly why I'm doing Chamatical, because there are so many ex exciting cities, amazing cities where so much is happening, where your lifestyle can be so much better than, for example, San Francisco. And you can. So I think the question is, one thing is that we think that, OK, so now San Francisco is doing wrong. So every, it's, we kind of affect all the world the same way. But let's look at what benefits the fact that San Francisco, OK, maybe is not uh, right now um, so it's get, life is getting difficult in San Francisco. So who can actually win from it? And, and isn't that a possibility for European countries to attract really great people and to build uh, amazing companies here? Uh, whereas looking at only the negative side. And also, if you look at the jobs, then, I mean, look at app developer. This, I think, is the best example of uh, jobs that didn't exist like eight years ago. So technology is changing things, but it's also we, the question is, do we, do we have enough uh, educational background, to, so to say, to help us adapt to but, the change. But, that, but that's, but, I think that's uh, a larger question, and that's what what has me thinking about this this theme. And you're right, you know, you can relocate to other cities, and you can go, for example, in Europe, you can go to London. But I don't know if you've been recently to London. London is not a good example. That's why you can go to uh, Tallinn, or you can go to Berlin, or you can go to Barcelona. But L London is also kind of lifestyle is quite. Uh, out of exactly, there, right? but that's my point. My point is, okay, you go to London, but London is suffering right now the same stuff that's going on through San Francisco, but with maybe two-year delay. You go to Berlin, if you went to Berlin four years ago like I was the first time, and you go to Berlin now, you'll see that it's a very different Berlin. It's way more expensive. There's a lot of things that have changed. It's still cheaper than most of uh, Western European countries. It's, it's still cheaper, but not for a long, not, not, not in the long term. And no, my question is, do we keep running? Do we keep running yeah, yeah. to the next free city, to the, ne to the next cheapest city? Or we try to solve the issue? That's my biggest question. But, but that is kind of what, uh, what, what, to be honest, what when you think about the future and how we work, I believe we will be relocating much more often than 10 years ago. And that is the kind of, this is the strength of the talent today that you can actually do it. You can go and move to Kuala Lumpur if you think that your lifestyle and quality of life will be better there. And you can do it because 20 years ago, it was not possible. So I think we will be, like I said, running, but not in a bad way. It will be a new possibility to, to build your career. Talking about which, Karoli, as an Estonian, do you actually see things like this uh, happening in, uh, in uh, Estonia and in Tallinn? Uh, anything like this? Uh, I mean, the city is becoming more expensive and uh, all the rest of this uh, Silicon Valley unhealthy stuff. Yeah, we, I don't think we see, in that sense, uh, we see the benefits of... Uh, of people wanting to relocate to Tallinn. I think this is something uh, that we didn't see before and I'm really glad we have that uh, moment. So, Are there many of those people? Uh, there will be much more. Uh, that's, that's my goal with Chobatica, right? So we have bought, brought actually quite a lot of people from uh, US and then and, and planning to uh, have more uh, 
American uh, experience in the textile uh, scene here in Estonia. It's also a good thing about the Baltics and uh, Estonia in particular that it's pretty easy to bring uh, people to work there, mm-hmm. right? It is, and uh, I think in that sense, the countries who are kind of forward-thinking and really enabling the access to talent will be uh, showing. Um, kind of leading the way uh, in 10-15 years. So it's interesting to see how things start to shift, especially looking at the, I mean, lots of discussions around immigration in Europe right now as well. So it's very interesting times ahead. So let's see how it will go. But in Estonia, it's very easy to bring uh, talent and, and I hope we will keep it that way. Which is definitely something we should uh, thank the government of Estonia for. Uh, speaking of which, uh, do you uh, think that uh, the governmental support uh, to the startups and to the ecosystem is a good or a bad thing uh, in Estonia in particular and in general in Europe? If you ask me, then definitely I believe it's a good thing because, uh, I mean, just... Uh adapting to the actual needs though if we talk about immigration or we talk about any other regulation that um, it's not so basically in Estonia you can contact the prime minister and say listen this is totally not working Uh, um, we cannot build an international team if this remains uh, that way and and then kind of get his support to make better changes so I, I, I I believe, I don't know what Alex believes, but my, my opinion is that the kind of flat leadership and, and uh, really supporting the idea of building global businesses from your country is is good thing. Yeah, that's right. But there is also an opinion that uh, there is way too much money uh, being thrown at startups in Europe and particularly in Estonia. Have you heard this one before? I haven't heard. And to be honest, there's not much money that has been thrown. I think that is probably more northern comment or uh, I, I don't think Estonia has in that sense uh, the capital wise we are still in the baby steps um, uh, here I would not agree for sure Alex are you familiar with this opinion yeah yeah I've heard it before in uh, uh, commenting on the on the on the political side you know on the government side um, I do agree with Caroli I think it I think it's always good you know any ecosystem requires many different actors working towards the same goal and the government is one of them, actually one of the most important ones because it creates the long-term sustainability of most of these initiatives. Uh, that being said, I think Estonia is a very unique and peculiar government. And there's there's <laughs> very few countries, maybe Singapore, that you can say that, you know, you can tweet your prime minister and say, hey, dude, there's a problem with this. Uh, and this 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 is a funny story. When when I met Caroli, I didn't know this. But when I was in Estonia, I, w- I was with some friends, and I said, "Well, I'm meeting a friend of mine that's called Caroli." And they they said, "Hendrix," and I'm like, "Yeah." And they're like, "Do you know who she is?" I'm like, "I know. She's an entrepreneur." They're like, "No, she's a superstar. She's the MTV MC here in Estonia." And I'm like, "What? Really?" And those kind of situations always happen in Estonia. You know, you sit down with, to talk with someone and they've been running the, um, you know, the national football team or they've been, you know, the, an astronaut or they've been running like the stock market in Estonia. And, and so I think it's a unique country in a way where you can do all these things. You can, you can really have a government that really helps uh, companies. So, Karoli, you should have been hosting this podcast if you have so much experience. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, but uh, I mean, this is uh, just, uh, I agree with you in that sense that, of course, it's, it's easier to do things in a small country. And I think that's the kind of uh, uh, why you have this experience in Estonia. But at the same time, why couldn't we do it in the bigger countries? Why couldn't we really have um, like... Uh, so I think in that sense, policy making does not have to be obstacles. It should be supporting. It's like new type. I mean, what is a manager today? When we talk about 2016, who is a manager? Manager is not somebody leading the people. It's about somebody who's enabling people to uh, move ahead, right? It's kind of like assistant of, of the team in, in that sense. So I think a country should be also, instead of having, a, so to say, prime minister who is like the most important person and is not touchable or untouchable, it should be somebody who's helping to enable the country to foster. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah, no, no, to totally. That's why I intentionally didn't use the word, the word easier. Because I don't think it's easy, even in a country like Estonia. I think there's a lot of merit in what Estonia has done, to be honest. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just saying that the bigger the country, the, the, the more different the dynamics, the social dynamics yeah. are. And so it's, there are other challenges that you need to surpass in countries like the UK or the US, where you have such a large population, where you have such disparity on education, where you have very different mindsets, where you have very different religions, you know, it, the bigger, the more people you put in the same area, the harder it is to get everyone on the same page. And so sure. I, I just think it's, I think Estonia is a fantastic role model for everyone. Uh, but of course, when you scale this up, you, you hit on different challenges. That being said, I fully agree with you. I mean, that should be a role model. That should be the, you know, where should we be aiming to? But I think I interrupted you when uh, you were talking about the money. So what do you know about this one? So uh, about the money, as far as I know, as far as the conversations I've had with people on the ground, there is right now not enough money coming into Estonia. Uh, and, and I do agree. I mean, when you start looking at the investors, when you start looking at the funding, when you start looking at the business angels, it's just a tiny fraction compared to what you're seeing elsewhere. Now, that is not necessarily something bad, but it's true that if you want to establish companies that are international from day one and you want to compete with Asia, you want to compete with you know, the US or UK or places like that, you really need to put money on the line. And I think that's not happening yet in Estonia. I mean, it might happen to, for one or two companies, but that's still mm -hmm. very few. I do agree with you. I mean, it's just an example then with Chubatical, where I did my first angel round, um, kind of getting uh, investors on board from Finland and uh, UK and Russia and Latvia and then Estonia. So because it's, it was not possible to do the fundraising uh, only in Estonia, which in a way is good because it challenges you more. And uh, especially if you build something as international as we did, but uh, just this should kind of visualize the money part that it's not very easy to raise capital in Estonia. Well, what, it's, what is definitely a valid complaint is that European Commission is pouring a lot of money in the startup ecosystem. And in some occasions, this is generating artificial growth, which I might be dangerous. <laughs> and that is true. And they, there's a truth to that. 
Do you think it's true for only Estonia or the whole Baltics or the whole Eastern Europe? Oh, oh whole Europe, actually. In Spain, they're pouring shit ton of millions, billions, <laughs> billions, actually. And when you look at the environment, you go like, oh, holy shit, we're going we're gonna to crash this stuff really hard. And there's a lot of people who are going to be very sorry about the day they decided to sign this deal. But what can you do with that then? Uh, can you just like shout at uh, the European uh, commissioners uh, that you don't want their money or what? Oh, but I, if, I, if I say Alex, like, to be honest, I think we're worrying about the wrong thing right now. I mean, if, if you think about like when I started, my, I, I was actually a young entrepreneur uh, in 2000. Was it like 2000? I started with my first student company business and, and there was, I mean, it was totally different environment. Nobody was really building businesses. Being an entrepreneur was totally not something uh, somebody dreamed about uh, publicly or discussed. So startup, kind of building a startup was not in that time. Uh, if I compare to that time and right now, even if there's money that is not uh, invested in a right way, I think the whole experience of building something, creating value, and understanding how money works, that money doesn't come from a wall and from the, uh, so to say, government paying your some kind of support, then I think the learning from it, even if it doesn't go always right, is valuable for Europe. I don't know no, what you uh, think, uh, Alex. But... Uh, I agree 100%. I mean, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying that uh, when you, you know, you put gasoline on the fire, it, it burns, you know, stronger. Is that bad? Not necessarily. The problem is when you build stuff on top of that kind of fire and then suddenly one day it stops burning that bright and you suddenly go like, oh shit, we built a whole you know, uh, house around this. And uh, so I think we need to be cautious about understanding the dynamics that this money is generating within the system. And what I'm afraid of is a lot of people not seeing this. A lot of people just taking this money or this artificial helping hand for granted. And eventually it's going to go away. And eventually a lot of people are going to find themselves without any support. Yeah, absolutely. But I still think it's be better to, yeah, I, I do agree with you and I understand it, but it's better to have this rather than uh, the whole generation dreaming of working for a public office, which kind of has been the thing, like if you look at France, that becoming a public, working in the public office has been kind of the dream of uh, your career, right? Then you're safe, then you're, but you are actually not creating value. I mean, if you if you start to actually go into the private sector where you understand how cre value creation uh, works, and I think the mindset still has a little bit of improvement, even though I do, uh, I think you're right in that sense. Yeah, but the problem is if you rely only on the governmental grants to create your startup, you're still not adding any value. Yeah, but you are kind of, yeah, okay. <laughs> so I, I, I think if you're create, building a business, just the journey of building something is, is, is something that uh, even if you fail, it's a valuable lesson because... Well, but maybe I'm seeing this from the Southern European point of view where I know too many people taking advantage of this shit, not, okay. not creating yeah. any value, to be honest. Uh, and so, yeah, maybe I have a slightly, you know, you put money in the, in the Nordic region and the Baltics and people will probably make good use of that. You know, you give money to Southern European countries, 
and that might not be the case in most in most situations <laughs> that being said that being said I, I i do agree that there's a lot of experience that gets created through that through that uh situation and people that have maybe spent the money unwisely have learned a lot through that process i want to i want to believe that to be honest all right thank you very much alex uh, thank you very much caroli we've been rolling for 36 minutes and i guess it's about time to round things up so today i was joined by caroli hendrix she's on twitter at caroli hendrix and alex barrera he's on twitter as a barrera thank you very much uh, caroli thank you very much alex thank you andre and alex let thank you. you see you again or talk to you again yes thank no. you guys my pleasure being here and uh having this wonderful conversation with you guys yeah it was a great fun now for our listeners thanks for listening to this podcast uh, please uh, leave your feedback on itunes or uh, tweet to me at proceed underscore two or write an email at uh, andre at proceed two your feedback is always very welcome and i am really looking forward to it now take care and i will talk to you next week Bye.